Welcome back to Agile Coffee. This is episode 27. And if you're an acute listener, and you're all cute, you know that we've been on a bit of a hiatus. That's right, we've been talking about the Agile Coach Camp US West, which was held this past April. We've got a report coming up in just a few minutes, but it's good to be back. And uh, as you'll see here in just a minute, we're renewed uh, by many, many topics. So let's get to it. Good morning. This is episode 27 of the Agile Coffee Podcast. I'm Victor Bonacci, and I've got a room filled with Agilists from outer space. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Around the horn, we've got Brett Palmer. Hi. Good morning, Vic. Brett can be reached on Twitter at Brett underscore Palmer. Dr. Dave. Hey, Vic. It's good to be here as usual. Dave Cornelius is at Dr. Dave Info. John Jorgensen. So we meet again. There you go. At Water Scrum Bon is John. Dale Ellis. Glad to be back. Dale can be found online at the Digital Dale and Larry Lawhead. It's fun as always. Larry's got the Twitter handle at Larry Lawhead. <laughs> Yay, finally. <laughs> finally. And one of the guys. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Get in on it. All right. So um, we've got a number of cards already on the table. Start with Dr. Dave. All right. Well, my first card is, and actually this, this is from... Um, some research that I did back in 2014 mm. uh, at uh, Agile Open SoCal. So the first one is, uh, do you think the Agile practice, which includes Scrum XP and Kanban, would be a good life skill for elementary, high school, and or college students to learn? And so if yes, what are the benefits? If no, why not? My second card also is, is from that research, and it says, can you... Th- Think of some psychological or emotional changes that you witness in people after they experience the Agile practice, talking about Scrum or Kanban. And the good news is is that I spent the time going through people's responses. So I actually have their responses here that I've created as a theme. So I'll, I'll share a lot of that information just to give us a different context. Cool. Awesome. Okay, so I'll be very brief. Um, one card is lock-in Agile Scrum. What does it take to ensure that all of your work as an Agile coach and helping a group transform uh, does not get disrupted down the road? Don't have answers, just questions. My next card is Hang the DJ. So <laughs> any Morrissey fans out there from the 80s will recognize this song. Um, it's the topic of how Agile coaches become a sort of martyr slash scapegoat for folks that maybe don't want to really do Agile or Scrum and the pitfalls that they lay for the unsuspecting Agile coach. The next one is smart cross-training. So there are actually teams that are really up on doing cross-training, and there are actual methodologies for determining what is the optimal amount for uh, individuals on the team. Then the next is cold turkey scrum agile. Is it smart to make a clean break to transition from something more traditional or chaotic than than scrum? Or should there be a gradual baby step by baby step approach? 
The next one is jailbreak dangers. This means when you don't have executive buy-in, it's from the bottom up that the organization is going agile or scrum. And what are the pitfalls of that? Um, getting caught and managers cheating each other, executives disavowing agile. Then the last one is playing mom off dad. When teams use agile coaches, um, different coaching styles or content to basically um, get them get get permission to do something that's maybe not so agile or scrum and get the coaches in trouble. That's all. Okay, uh, upcoming conferences including uh, New Media Expo, uh, New Tech Toys, uh, specifically for me, Roku. <laughs> Organizing stories and epics with version one, if anybody has any experience with that. Changing techniques with teams, specifically coaching or scrum master techniques. Better to go fast or slow. This is similar to what you had with your cold turkey thing only for existing teams. Let's double up on that. Uh, and scheduling tasks within sprints, creating little mini Gantt chart-style waterfalls, good or bad. Interesting. Uh, mine are kind of anticlimactic also, but they're, they're ones that interest me a lot. Uh, tips on helping product owners. Um, how, to have, how have lean principles changed you? I've been reading a lot about. Uh, I've been taking a crash course, reading every book I can find on on the lean mentality, and I, it's really changed. It's been changing how I think. That's a great card. Um, and this one is uh, introducing user story mapping to teams. I just did a little exercise this week. It was great, and I uh, wanted to talk about it and see if we couldn't get some more ideas. All right, then that means we've got uh, we've got to go ahead and vote. So as these guys are voting, I wanted to take a time box and update you, our dear listeners, to a few items. First of all, as you just heard, we've got an abundance of topics this time around. And if you're a regular listener of Agile Coffee, you already know this is typical. We just can't get to each card and give each card the time it deserves. Not in a time box podcast, anyway. Or can we? I'm not really sure. What I'd like to know is, what do you think? Do we need to cover all the topics that you hear? Is it useful to hear topics that we won't get to cover? Does the anticipation of sitting through the vote and wondering which topics we'll choose appeal to you, or is it something you could do without? Please reach out to me uh, with the hashtag, Tell Agile Coffee, and let me know, because making changes and iterating on the idea is what we're all about here. Whatever brings the most value to the conversation is key, which brings me to my next announcement. You've probably recognized that when we're talking here, we're all in the same room, and while I'm enjoying these these sessions, you know, and I'll continue to optimize these face-to-face encounters. My vision has always been to include as many different voices as possible to the conversation. So I've got three options in mind. First, I can invite more people living and working in Orange County to stop by the studio here in Irvine. Um, so here's your invite. If you're in the sound of my regional voice here, uh, feel free to reach out and let me know. The second option is for me to bring my current setup to these new voices. And that's exactly what we're doing for the next episode. I'll be in San Diego this Saturday, May 9th. Zach Boniker, who runs the San Diego Agile Coffee, and some others will be on Agile Coffee episode 28. And in addition... 
Dale and I are making plans to host some lean coffees in Los Angeles. We've narrowed it down uh, to between a few, or a couple anyway, of locations in Santa Monica. Uh, so we just have to settle on a day of the week. So, if you live or work around L.A. and have an opinion, reach out to me on Twitter and look forward to an announcement soon. We'll make, uh, make that announcement known and get the word out through meetups as well. Which brings me to the third option of getting this uh, conversation out to as many different voices as possible, and that is to go virtual. That's right, a virtual lean coffee. So I plan to, by the end of the summer, be able to reach out to people um, across geography so that uh, I'm sitting in my office at home or my studio here in Irvine um, and getting people from across the world really to kind of dial in or uh, join a hangout or whatever it ends up becoming. Uh, so if that's something that you are interested in, again, reach out to me on Twitter at the hashtag uh, Tell Agile Coffee or just ping me at Agile Coffee on Twitter. Email works fine. Um, if you've got that off the website, the agilecoffee.com website. Listeners, that's a lot to ask of you. Um, and that's really it for my announcements, except uh, one last item if I have time. These guys are still... can't believe they're taking so long. Uh, three votes, guys. Just three votes each, right? Well, um, okay. One more quick item. I've got the... Um, the report that Brett and I have put together to present back up to the Scrum Alliance group. Let's see. Uh, we had uh, 65 Agile coaches and friends gathered for a coaching camp like no other. Outdoor spaces, a keynote cafe, s'mores around the campfire, and a diverse cast of attendees who combined to bring about the perfect confluence of Agile coaching on the West Coast. Uh, a couple of quick facts here. Um, attendees, right? The camp was attended by 19 women and 46 men. Um, local turnout was strong, with 41 attendees coming from Southern California. Seven Agilists came from Northern California, 14 from other U.S. states, and three from Ontario, Canada. And that's where I'm going to leave off with the report, because I wanted to end on the fact that there are coach camps uh, popping up, not only in the U.S., but um, obviously worldwide go to agilecoachcamp.org and you'll find a list of many, many, many others. Uh, I think Australia is coming up in June. Uh, Brett is already busy planning for next year's Agile Coach Camp US West. Uh, same location, the foothills of Orange, uh, California, in April next year. April 15th through the 17th, 2016. Um, Sam and James have already expressed interest in putting a similar coach camp together up in NorCal, a Silicon Valley camp. And Allison said um, she's interested in starting a coach camp or hosting a coach camp in Texas. So, I mean, these things are popping up, and, and that's really encouraging. Um, as you know, I've got my Agile Coffee meetups throughout SoCal. Uh, Zach does his in San Diego. I've already talked about the Los Angeles and the Orange County um, locations. But um, the Agile Opens are, are another venue that you can check out. Uh, the Agile Open in Irvine is on its seventh year, I think it is. Uh, Woody, Hadar, and David are putting it together again this year with the help of new volunteers. Heidi's already expressed interest, and, and a few others of us will be joining in the, the fun. Um, and those are going on all the time. So there's, there's no shortage of things to get involved in. Uh, it's great that you're listening to the Agile Coffee podcast, and I encourage you to tell your friends about it. However, if you really want to uh, join the dialogue, um, getting out to a coach camp, uh, an Agile Open, starting up a Lean Coffee, these are all really great ideas, and, um, and they should be available to you in your area uh, if you just look around. 
Okay, having said all that, it looks like the guys are done voting. All right, we have got our cards stacked and our board made. The first card up, Dr. Dave, says applying Agile to students. Start us off there. So, so what, one of my interests right now, and, and most people know, is um, I, I'm into providing agility um, as a practice or a life skill to high school students. So one of the, the questions that I've asked is that uh, can we, and is it a good life skill, to elementary schools, high schools, uh, students, as well as college students. And if it's so, why? What, what are the benefits? So some things that people have looked at, and just looking at the responses, is that it gives them the ability to prioritize activities a lot better. They, they, they talked about limiting work in progress, because as a high school student or college mm-hmm. student, you're all over the place. And, and um, you look at students can be more focused because you're working on one thing at a time and not on many things. You could break down challenges into digestible chunks. So it looks that it helps kids, kids to be more organized. So it's, when I asked this question, there was a wealth of information that came out of the participants, and it was the 13 participants in the research. So it, it's just great information. Um, and, and so there was one thing that, that I really, really liked about this um, is that it says, I think it breeds ownership and reduce the permanent adolescent syndrome because this is one of the wow. things that's happening in our day. I mean, my, my 21-year-old, like, dude, when are you going <laughs> to get off the paycheck, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really getting people to take ownership of their lives, the different activities that's uh, taking place, and gives them an opportunity to grow up, grow up and take ownership of your life. So it, it would be good to hear feedback. There's a lot more information here that um, I'm prepared to publish, but, you know, I would like to hear what the panel have to say in terms of allowing this to become a life skill that's really applicable to students from an elementary school all the way up through college <clears throat> or even into the grown-up years as we're practicing it today. So I think one of the – this is Brett – I think one of the, the great skills is to be able to prioritize, um, and that's a, just a key life skill because we, as we move throughout life, um, we always have a million things to do, and we always just need to be able to focus on those things that have the highest personal value uh, and, and what your goals are for, for that month, that quarter, that year. And I think it teaches high school kids to be able to goal set. Yeah. You know, building on that, actually, so what's the benefit of being able to prioritize? It's not just getting the most valuable thing done first. It's getting the most valuable thing done first in the best way possible. And by that, I mean in the mental state of flow. When you're in panic because you're experiencing cognitive overload and your mind is just caching all these things that you're supposed to do and all the factoids associated with them, all the all the chemicals that that help you become creative and productive basically get flushed out because you're now in you're in panic yeah. and you're you're in a fighter a fight or flight mentality the blood's going to your limbs so that you can run or fight instead of going to your brain um, separate from that so mental state of flow is the advantage that they're getting when they simply write things down put them on paper prioritize them on paper etc. The thing that completely flies in the face of where I think traditional education is going is that it's collaborative. So if previously, you know, tests are to measure individual aptitude, not uh, team aptitude, 
And so everybody uh, gets in their silo, their individual silo, to compete, um, and then they get some sort of output from that. This allows people to align. Remember those study groups? There was a there was a ga- there was a movie in the seventies called like the Paper Chase. Yeah. And I remember these these law students going and they hole up into a hotel for like a weekend, and they wind up doing very well because they work together. So, anyways, um, I think that this is what's lacking in young people today is they don't realize the advantages of as a diverse group coming together to form a team you know just quizzing each other study groups is what i'm talking about yeah and then achieving something academically yeah i think i i think that that teaching uh young people uh, project management skills whether they're even traditional uh waterfall uh and agile are both very very valuable uh, those are those are great organizational tools both of them that i wish i'd had mm-hmm. at, at a younger age and particularly the the introduction to some of the things that are taught by uh like the the, the, the covey's uh uh principles and 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 focus and uh david allen's getting things done tools mm-hmm. those yeah. things would those things would be almost indispensable mm-hmm. To uh, to students, uh, especially as you start getting into high high school and college, and the other thing that you have to be concerned with in life is not only dealing. Uh, the other pitfall is uh, not only dealing with the uh, immediate and the 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 kind of the, the crisis stuff or, or things that immediately have to be done, but also thinking about what the trade-offs are for the future. It's like you may have things that seem urgent and immediate that need to be taken care of, but you've also got things that are con- going to contribute to some greater life goal down the road, and you've got to be able to portion out time and spend time on those things that so they're going to help you succeed and do what you want to do in the future. So maybe time boxing itself. Yeah, time box is really valuable. But the other thing that came up was it's a value to teachers. How about that in, in terms of being able to manage a large group of students working together and making sure that they're raising up new leaders you know, out of the classroom? I mean, how about that thought and, and the value that um, those students would receive from being able to self-organize and, and really come together and start collaborating, as you were saying, John, in a more effective I don't know. Way. You have to see if there's funding for that, though. Well, oh, yeah. there is. <laughs> no, no, He's no. referring to the actual experience I had. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that right? But, um, and, and, you know, there, there, I think that this is just like an agile adoption. If you make it this big about face to the executives or the powers that be, you've got a 50-50 chance of being snuffed out. But if you do it stealthily, like a jailbreak, you, you introduce two or three practices and you, you wait for that to create the success stories, then take those success stories to the leadership, then maybe you do get funding or at least tacit approval. But uh, to your point, Dave, about how it helps the teachers, think about how Sharon Bowman's training from the back of the room would make a high school teacher's life easier. Yeah. Instead of like le- preparing lectures and you know just grinding through the curriculum, say let's do an exercise where you guys discover what we're talking about. Well, it would make the students' life easier, also. Yeah, I think so. It's funner. I just have one more thing to to contribute to this is that May thirtieth and June sixth, we have the five Saturdays trained facilitators, where we're really preparing facilitators to coach and mentor high school students in Scrum, 
um, on also technology concepts. So we get into things like creative thinking and critical thinking, storytelling, uh, and really teaching kids how to collaborate. But on June 13 is when we kick off the Five Saturdays workshop where we'll have somewhere between 15 to 20 high school students, and we're actually working with them for at least seven weeks. We call it Five Saturdays because we have an intro Saturday and an award Saturday, but there's five core Saturdays where we're actually providing a learning experience for those students. So uh, if you get an opportunity to come to Five Saturdays, the number five, saturdays.org, and learn more about how you can get involved. All right, moving on then. Next card up says Hang the DJ. John, this is yours. Okay, so uh, for those who are not necessarily Morrissey fans from the 80s, um, this is a card about how um, agile coaches or agile champions are kind of easy targets for would-be detractors of an agile transformation or uh, a scrum implementation of sorts. And I just kind of I wanted to put it out there that like this is kind of what I'm I'm sensing um, and see if anybody's experienced this. You know, I don't want to develop a, a false pattern or some kind of a rule where it's a, a very rare case. But um, sometimes what I see is, um, you know, when you, you do have a large organization and they're implementing some kind of framework, whether it's lean software development, agile, scrum, Kanban at the enterprise level or safe or something. And of course, you've got multiple people that are either running training or, you know, coaching multiple teams. And when some kind of maybe, uh, inconsistency, uh, arises, they say, Hey, wait a minute. Uh, this isn't part of, you know, the version that we heard from some other coach somewhere. And I think, you know, it's all bogus. And, you know, this is going to be the end of the world as we know it because we should be using electronic tools, not paper, or, you know, whatever else. Um, and, you know, I've, I, I think that it is uh, difficult to make a, a, a transformation successful. There's a million ways to get it wrong. But um, sometimes the context, um, warrants, uh, I guess you could say, variants on how you approach some sort of Agile topic. Specifically, I'm just throwing out there, like, you know, using a paper um, Kanban board for stories and tasks and, you know, maybe whether you use T-shirt sizes for your tasks or um, hours or, you know, user story points doesn't actually matter, maybe. Um, but anyways, I, I, I do sense that sometimes there's a scapegoat mentality going on. Yeah. So uh, are are you trying to uh, determine whether this is whether these things can be used as some kind of a setup for uh, attacking the process in general? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling kind of like uh, maybe what I'm seeing is that there is, like, you become, as an Agile champion or Agile coach, a proxy for the framework. So if they can beat you up as being, you know, a poor coach or just uninformed or in, uh, conflicted, you know, um, inconsistent, that they're discrediting the framework, which is really where they want to go because they want to go back to the old way of doing things or something. Yeah. You know, it's funny when, <laughs> when I hear the term hang the DJ, you know, I'm thinking of uh, disco, giant ball, people <laughs> yeah. hating the music. <laughs> So it's kind of where it's kind of like not digging my groove, you know. Yeah, <laughs> kind of had that that uh, thought in mind. But what's what's interesting is, is that sometimes you run into those individuals where 
agility is working really well for them, and the teams are performing and everything is going great. And then they decided that, uh, you know what, we don't want to do all of these ceremonies anymore. Like, mm. oh, we don't want to, gro- we don't want to spend any time grooming anymore. I'm like, what? Yeah, you know, we don't want to groom anymore. Uh, I, I think we're, we kind of have this down and we have a process and it's working. And, and as a coach, I'm sitting there, well, why don't you want to groom? Don't you see the value and the benefits? No, no, we don't want to groom anymore. Yeah, and I'm going like, oh, how about sprint demos? No, we don't want to do that anymore either. We'll just create these things and stick them out there. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's kind of interesting that when you get to a team to a certain point where they're successful, they start looking back and go like, well, you don't want to do – you know, even I had to fight for them about retrospectives. Come on, guys. This shocking. is important. That's shocking, yeah. really. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I thought, you know, just thinking about that, um, hanging the DJ, I'm sitting there – Trying to get this groove out, yeah. and the team is working really well. And all of a sudden, it's uh, we don't want to do this anymore. We don't like the, we just don't like the BGs anymore. So, so what's the difference between hanging the DJ and shooting the messenger? Because as a messenger, <laughs> you're only delivering you're, yeah. you're only a conduit as pure as you can be. I mean, right? You're not yeah. supposed to be creating the message or twisting it in any way, or even like choosing which message. You're just someone's told you something, and your job is to disseminate it. Versus the DJ, where you've got a mix, a box or two, a crate or two of, of LPs, and you can kind of read the room and choose what you want to play and, and, and how you want to change the effect of the room. So if you're like a, a, a messenger, your job is to like teach Scrum by the book to this team, you know. Versus if you're more of a uh, DJ, you're more kind of apt to pick and choose how you want to direct. And, and Dale's up next there. Well, okay, so to stay on the music theme, I, I, th- I think what he's getting at is that the, the Bob Seger fans in the wedding party don't want to listen to disco. <laughs> Even though the people are getting up and dancing and everybody's in the groove, there, there, there are the rock and rollers in the audience where disco sucks. <laughs> and they don't want to hear the disco stuff anymore, even though people are enjoying it. So they're attacking the dis- they're attacking the DJ, but they're really attacking disco. Yep. And I think that we're not just messengers as agile coaches. As much as I hate to say it, we're actually artisans. We're we're practicing an art. We're we're making subjective choices about what flavor of scrum or sizing or whatever suits the purposes of individual teams. We're cobbling the teams together into meta teams or you know departments, whatever you want to call it. And it is easy to pick holes in that. There are choices to make. Um, I think that companies, especially when they're hiring external consultants to coach, they're looking to buy your judgment uh, capability and do the best that can be done in that situation. And there could be a shelf life on it. What was true today for those teams could be not so true a year from now. And so... We, you know, we talk about sub-optimization for, like, local sub-optimization versus um, optimizing for the whole. What if the time continuum was one of the dimensions that you could sub-optimize on? So if you said, like, no, you know, my, my version, my implementation of Scrum or Agile is the best one. Today, yes. A year from now, maybe not. You sub-optimize for the moment. Maybe there needs to be change. Well, that's like the that that's like the shuhari 
yes. uh, oh, yeah, yeah, principle. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. So, okay, if you people are just starting off, you need to stick to the book and stick to the basic mm-hmm. principles. And, then, and as they evolve and get better, some of those practices may become less necessary or they may, they may fine-tune it and develop things that they need. Jazz hands. Jazz hands. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So um, if, if you have something that you want to share with us, use the hashtag on Twitter, tell Agile Coffee. Let us know. What's in your musical crate? Next card we have up here is uh, from Dr. Dave. It says, can Agile practices, Scrum, XP, Kanban, can those affect uh, people psychologically or emotionally? Um, what do you think about that, Dave? Yeah, well, so the question is, is can you think of some psychological or emotional changes that you have witnessed in people after they, after they have experienced the Agile Scrum practice using Scrum XB or Kanban? And so it's very interesting to see how people change in, in terms of, and I'm basing this on my own experience and, and the experience of 13 other people. So one thing that came to mind is active listening, that people listen better. And people are not as defensive because they're not beat up as much, mm-hmm. and, and it's okay to make mistakes. And they're more comfortable to contribute in, in, in um, the practice of just having discussion. So one thing that came up is that people are actually talking to each other, yeah. and people are so amazed at that because at work generally we, we get in the habit of, of being siloed, especially in technology, get behind our computers, we're, we're, we're hunkered in, and we're not having great dialogue with each other. But these are some of the... The, the changes, and one thing that I um, wanted to quote, it says, a resistor to Scrum had an aha moment and became the biggest evangelist because Scrum allowed him or her to see where he is, adjust, and go forward. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just amazing that there was some a revelation and, and an inspiration to that individual to learn more. So I'll, I'll open it up to the, the panel to uh, jump in and, and add some contributions to this. This is a great topic. I've thought of this a lot too i've had the privilege of being on a couple of transcendent teams where things were rolling so well it was as if nothing could go wrong and one of the elements and i've thought of this a lot was that we were able to be comfortable with each other and because of the whole environment like that uh, that agile and, and scrum creates you're not out to blame anyone anymore uh, and that makes everyone feel more comfortable. When you feel comfortable, you're more creative. When you're more creative, you, you share your ideas, you're more open. And when those ideas get on the table, then the magic starts to happen because person A puts his idea out there and person B attaches something to it and person C adds a new idea and then you've, it opens up all kinds of creative solutions that you would not have had uh, in any other environment. So it's very powerful. Yeah, and, you know, just this last week, um, I saw something. It was a safe implementation, and this is the second one that I can cite where there's a positive emotional transformation. Um, There was a product owner who was being pulled up, you know, into the program level as a PM, and this is their first sprint, and she's, she's kind of both, you know, walking through the functionality that the team has just delivered, but also saying, like, you know, I'm going to, my role is going to change. And she, she, she almost, you know, got emotional. She almost uh, started to weep. And it, it was only a team that had been together for two weeks. 
the the interactions obviously were so human that there's this emotional bonding actually going on already and i um i wish i had a video camera i wish i could show you guys because it was it was real and it was palpable and the other teams were just applauding like crazy i i wanted to quote one thing from um one of the participants and i'm not going to call his name so he said, I experienced a person filled with fear become confident after going through the scrum process with me supporting her as the scrum master. And if you are here, I'm conjuring up. Yeah. <laughs> if you are here, I'd like to hear more about that story because I, I thought that, you know, just someone living out fear uh, of walking into this role, I would like to hear more about that story. So if, if you are here, you could feel to contribute. It sounds like me. Was that me? <laughs> yeah. I think it was, yeah. You want to hear about that experience? Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, this this person, uh, again, a PO. What's it with POs? I don't know. <laughs> <But> <laughs> their head's on the block. If they yeah, to... that's true. Parole I officers. Right. Larry said something really important. Their, their head's on the block. They're yeah. the single ringable neck, uh, as they say in the old, old days of Scrum. So, yeah, it was a brand-new team, and part of the team was offshore, and none of the team were anybody that she knew – and on top of this, they're throwing on Scrum for the first time. She'd never been exposed to it. And, like, the connection, the video connection, Skype, you know, to this offshore team was horribly unstable. So she can't even have conversations with them and stuff. And and she had been, like, a, maybe a manager-level um, BA. And, and she was just kind of seeing, like, it's all over. I'm doomed. There's no way to win here. And... You know, I didn't. I wasn't watching her close enough to see like this despair coming up, and I was trying to like scrum master about three or four teams at once, and I was helping them with their backlogs. And then I think it was Dean Leffingwell who said, "Whose team was it that that PO who's crying right now um, lost their scrum master?" And I had to raise my hand. So that was me. I I didn't realize I was spread too thin. And he said, from now on, the rest of this, the rest of this uh, kickoff event, you are side by side with her. Hmm. No, no ifs, ands, or buts. And so I said, yes, sir. And so I, we, 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 I helped her through that. And I said, like, I won't say her name, you know, um, person, I'm going to be here. And I assure you, no matter what, this is going to succeed. I won't, I won't watch it just go over the cliff. I'm, I'm tethering to this. And and so she took you know a leap of faith at least for a couple of days, and then we started sprint planning. We got we we built a backlog with the team, and in about two or three sprints, like her 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 appearance began to change. Like she was smiling and she was walking up to the board and moving cards, not not me. And you know one day um, I went to her cube and 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 she had this. Kanban board that her daughter had made at home and she said yeah you know my daughter just loves this because she says you know mommy does it too and she was happy to be at work happy to be alive and that was a huge shift that I saw just over a few weeks and that's really where it drove it home for me yeah. and, and just just to just to close um, people are open to discover what is not known and to me, that's a, a powerful closing statement, just from her experience. Excellent. So um, we'll bring this show to a close. But before we do, I'd like to just reach out to everyone and say that the show notes for this and all shows are on the AgileCoffee.com website. 
for this show. It's agilecoffee.com slash episode 27. If you'd like to participate with us in the discussion, always you can use the hashtag tellagilecoffee or a question ask Agile Coffee. We'd be sure to um, to include you in the in the cards here. I want to thank all of my guests here, um, Brett Palmer, Dr. Dave Cornelius, John Jorgensen, Dale Ellis, Larry Lawhead. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.